Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome aboard the Athletics Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets with Tim McMaster, Zach Rosenblatt, and Marissa Dunn. Can't wait! It's Hackett Payton week, everybody. A chance to look back on the summer's head coach on former head coach crime that occurred between the Broncos and the Jets. I'm Tim McMaster, along with the Athletics Jets reporter Zach Rosenblatt. Our Broncos reporter at the Athletic, Nick Kostmeyer, is going to join us as well. Uh, he's going to talk about Sean Payton and this whole mess, of course, Hackett last year when he was covering the Broncos as well. So a lot of fun. We also have a guest on for our picks portion of the show that'll come at the end so um, lock in and give that that subscribe button hit that thumbs up all the good stuff here on the podcast uh, also one note programming note other than what i'm gonna do right now we are not going to mention taylor swift <laughs> at all zach that's it no taylor swift how are you doing i'm good yeah i'm uh it'll be our first podcast we go without talking too much about that <laughs> um but yeah i'm doing good i uh as you guys know, last week my girlfriend moved in, so been adjusting to life not living alone anymore. It's been going great so far. Nope. All right, nope. that's good. We're, we're learning each other's like pet peeves and stuff. Uh, like she she gets annoyed by like people leaving dishes in the sink, and she does this thing where she's always turning off the lights in whatever room she's leaving, and it always it annoys me so much. She's like trying to save electricity and stuff, but I have a dog in the house, so she's not used to that. But anyway, it's been great. We went. We saw. John we should Mayer make this an ongoing segment. Yeah, yeah. Um and proof that I'm still not good at StreamYard and, and running this thing without Marissa around. Everybody just got to see Nick at the beginning of the show because <laughs> I forgot to put him backstage until we go to him in a little bit. So that was the, the visual teaser. I didn't want to uh, embarrass to you. To go with everything else. <laughs> oh man. All right. Let's jump into things. We'll do some news and notes before we get to the game itself. Um and some significant news to start things off. DJ Reed, of course, has been in the concussion protocol. He is not going to be ready to go. Robert Sala saying that this morning. So DJ Reed out. Obviously a big deal, Zach. We talk a lot about the two cornerbacks on this team and how they can both shut things down. So how do the Jets go about filling that hole on one side and shuffling things around in the secondary? I mean, Beyond Reed being out, they also don't have Brandon Eccles. And one of the big reasons Eccles is still here because they view, they view him as a starting caliber corner uh, who can fill in when a guy gets hurt. And he's out because he hurt his hamstring the other day. So, you know, Salah kind of avoided questions specifically about Bryce Hall stepping in. Like, logically, he's the obvious one. I feel like they're more likely going to do some shuffling. I don't know if that means Michael Carter the second playing outside, uh, which he's never done. They drafted him to play nickel. I don't know if he's never done. He probably did that in college a little bit. I imagine I, I'd have to go back and look at his snap count. But um, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the solution. I think what I what probably will happen if I had to guess is maybe Sauce and and Michael Carter are the base corners. Maybe Bryce Hall comes in and they slide Michael over to the slot sometimes. And I think they do a lot of three safety looks. Probably it is it is an issue. Like for 
all the, you know, and we'll get into the Broncos more deeply, but they do have some talented receivers. They have Jerry Judy. They have Cortland Sutton. Um, I think they have someone else I'm forgetting. That's not bad either. But, um, yeah, so it's not going to be an easy challenge. And, you know, the Broncos are going to look to exploit whatever side of the field Sauce Gardner is not on, I imagine. Uh, and, yeah, and this is a big loss. We've talked a lot about DJ Reed on the show. I think this fan base knows how good he is. Uh, he's underrated because of Sauce being on the other side. But he's 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 going to go down, you know, as long as the season keeps going as he gets started out. He's going to go down as one of the best free agent signings in team history. Like, he, you know, I think he's way outplayed his contract. Uh, and, yeah, so this is a big loss. I'm sure the Broncos are happy to hear it. But, yeah, so they need to step up. I think the biggest thing, they need to get more pressure up front. I think that's going to be the biggest thing to keep an eye on is if yeah, Marvin Mims, the rookie, he's been good for them. Um, yeah, if they don't get the pressure up front, uh, it's, it could be a long day, especially because, you know, the Jets had a hard enough time in the middle of the field stopping those quick passes. And if you have to move Michael Carter to the outside, it, then you have somebody else playing the nickel, probably a safety, I imagine, maybe Tony Adams or – Adrian Amos or I don't know. Um, and that's, it's just not ideal all around. So I, uh, I don't know exactly what the solution is. I don't think it's necessarily going to be a positive. We're going to find out really what Michael Carter's made of if they move him to the outside. Cause he is a little undersized. I think he's a very good corner. So I, uh, yeah, I'm curious to see how creative they get. And if they start doing more exotic, like uh, pass rush moves, cause they usually just do the four man rush and it has worked in the past, but so far teams have been able to counteract it with quick passing. I mean, there was a time when, you know, during his rookie season, everybody thought Bryce Hall was going to be a legitimate yeah. starting cornerback in the NFL. And then, like, coaching change and other players brought in, and he kind of got shuffled to the back. But, hey, here's your chance, right? It's the NFL. You get your shot. We'll see what he can do. So we'll see if Bryce Hall gets some some good time to, to do that. All right, the other Hall, speaking of Halls, uh, Brees Hall, no longer on a pitch count, which – um. I, I know this was, I feel like on Twitter, the fan base was like, was the pitch count six anyway? You know what I mean? Like, okay, he's not on a pitch count anymore, but it's not like you were leaving him, holding him back at a pitch count. You weren't using him basically at all the last few weeks when when you should have been. So how much do you think uh, Brees Hall's usage does increase now that they are actually saying that the pitch count, and I hate using that baseball term for football, but yeah, the, I know people get, people get mad at me over. even when I say it, but it's yeah. how they're saying it. But so. they say it. Yeah. We're, we're quoting yeah. the team. Yeah. So what do you yeah, think? Are I we going to see 15 to 20 carries from, from Brees Hall? I mean, I hope so. I, I will say like the, the part of the quote that's been going around has been the part where he said, there's no more pitch count. The part of the quote that wasn't going around was the very next line where Saw was like, but we also need to get a lot of guys the ball. So, <laughs> Um, and well, I hope that means Garrett him. Wilson, right? Yes, a lot of guys, but not well, he, a lot well, he of talked about Dalvin Cook. He talked yeah. about Dalvin Cook needing the ball more, which I know yeah. fans were. That's the thing. It's The funny thing is, and, and I'll get into your direct question, but between him and Ulbrich, like, we asked about specific guys not playing much. It's like they, they keep saying, like, nine different guys need more snaps and more touches, but the reality is not all of them can get it. So, um, uh, But, yeah, with Brees, it is kind of perfect timing that – he's full go when he's about to go to the place where he suffered the torn ACL. That's just like so poetic. <laughs> and I don't know if the jets are doing that on purpose or what, or just kind of like towned out that way. But you know, he had a huge run against the Broncos last year. He was about to break out, hurt his knee. He's starting to look like the old breeze. I don't know if the GPS necessarily says if he's as fast as he was last year, it seems like he is, but yeah, you need, whether it's 15 touches, 12, t- whatever it is, it can't be six ever again. Like cannot be a game where they give Brees all six touches. Like I know two weeks he had, I think it was like 12 and you only had 18 yards, which obviously isn't great, but 
you keep giving him the ball because any one of those touches could break for a touchdown. That's how talented he is. So if they go another game where he is kind of splitting the workload with Dalvin Cook, I think there might be a riot in New York. Well, but according to the GPS, according to Robert Sala, Dalvin Cook's looking better too, right? And getting his legs True. under him. I, I don't know. There's the GPS and then there's the eye test. So so we'll see about that. <laughs> um, yeah, the GPS in my eyes says he's going slow. <laughs> let's jump over to uh, the other side of the ball. Uh, Jeff Albrecht saying this week that Carl Lawson will play more as he gets up to speed. And he referenced the fact that he did miss a month this summer. Um with the injury, and that's the reason he hasn't really been playing. So there's, we'll talk about that, and then there's Bryce Huff also, which we need to discuss. But first with Lawson, um, are you buying that? Are you buying that the the snaps are going to come for him, or is this just a numbers game? Because if Bryce Huff's going to get more snaps, how does Carl Lawson get more snaps? Yeah, that that's kind of goes back to my original point about them saying everybody's going to play, because Ulbrich also is hyping up that he thinks Bryce Huff can be a four-down player. Now the whole thing with him was always – He's just a pass rush specialist. I mean, Huff was dominant last week. You can't really keep him off the field too much. Um, so, yeah, I, I think the part of Ulbrich's answer, again, like at the beginning part of his answer, he was focusing on Jermaine Johnson having earned his role uh, and how they need to play all these guys, and it's hard to get the snaps. And then he finally got to the part where, like, also Carl missed a month. He has been slow to come back. Like, I, it's just been kind of sad, honestly, watching the decline. Because at the beginning of training camp, Carl Lawson looked physically – I mean, he always looks physically freakish, but he looked ready like the breakout. I thought he was better than fans give him credit for last year while playing hurt. And now he doesn't really look very good out there when he's out there, and he's not playing very much. And I don't really know what the future holds for him. Maybe they trade him one day. I don't know. Uh, Bryce Huff is in the last year's contract, as a lot of fans have been pointing out. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I just feel like the, the trio of JFM... Bryce Huff and Jermaine Johnson should be the ones mostly on the field because JFM's the best of both worlds rush, uh, running and passing. Jermaine's been probably the best like run stopper out of that three, and uh, Bryce Huff's been the best pass rusher. So it, that trio needs to play a lot, uh, and that'll probably come at the expense of Carl, who you know if he's healthy, I still think he's a good player, but I, I don't um, I don't really know what the role is for him anymore. It's kind of t- they're in a tough spot there, uh, and it almost. It, it's almost confusing in retrospect, looking back last week, that they had Al Woods inactive and they had Carl Lawson active when um, Al Woods brings a lot in the running game and Carl Lawson's not really bringing a lot of anything right now. I actually had a question uh, as far as Al Woods goes from Franco in the chat said, will he be active this week? Uh, I mean, I don't see why he wouldn't, but I was surprised last week. You know, I don't, Will McDonald has played a little bit, hasn't really shown a lot. Carl Lawson has played a little bit and hasn't shown a lot. So, if anybody would be inactive for those guys, maybe them. Um, and they do have more injured guys. DJ Reed and Bryce Hall are both going to be inactive, so that kind of like takes two inactive spots. I'm sure they'll call up like a practice squad corner or something. But, um, yeah, I would, I would guess Al Woods would be active this week. How about an extension for Huff? Um, there's been You mentioned the fan base. Is that like a legitimate thing where they're going to try to do that before we get to his free agency? Well, if they're genuine in what they're saying that they think he can be a four down guy, you're, you're, you know, in flux, you're making his value go up just by saying that anyway. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I think they should. I mean, he's young. He's 25 years old, I believe. He's gotten better every year he's been in the NFL. Uh, you know, people have pointed to the JFM deal. He was, you know, he was a guy that they claimed on waivers, but um, they signed him to a deal during the season. The longer you wait, the more Bryce Huff is going to make a lot of money in free agency if he gets there. Like pass rushers are at a premium. Like he'll make over ten million dollars a year, I think. Um, so 
I, I would get ahead of it. I think these are the kind of players you want to keep in the building, the homegrown guys, the young guys. Get them while you can get them still cheaper than when they're when they have like other teams to negotiate against. And so maybe Bryce Huff wants to go somewhere where he can play every snap or whatever. But uh, yeah, I, I I would. I don't know if there's any movement to do it or not, but I, I think they absolutely should before the end of the year. The other thing with with him is I feel like he's one of like the diamonds for for Joe Douglas, right? Like totally. here's a guy. Yeah that he Joe Douglas can point to and be like, you know, because it's mixed, right? He's had the obviously the tremendous draft a year ago, but then some drafts that haven't been as good. But then you have a guy like Bryce Huff who he who he found. I feel like you want to keep that guy around so you can kind of keep pointing to him like, look at that guy. Yeah. I found that guy. He's one of the guys we've developed. So yeah. uh, it'll be interesting to see. All right. Well another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think we've delayed the Hackett conversation enough, so <laughs> let, let's get into that. Um, we're going to start with some sound from Hackett this week, who who genuinely, I thought, just seemed uncomfortable talking about the Sean Payton <laughs> situation on Thursday. So let's hear a snippet of Hackett talking about all of that fun stuff that went down this summer. Hey, what are your emotions on going back to Denver? Got to go win a football game. How did, how did they treat you there? Great. In the two months since Peyton's comments came out, what kind of support have you gotten from the people around you, like your players, other coaches here, people around the league? What kind of like, feedback, support have you gotten? It's been great. It's been great. I think that for all of us, our sole focus is on winning a football game. We we got to get better on offense, and we got to do our part to be able to score more points. So are you able to compartmentalize that? I mean, because obviously that's going to be the topic of conversation, even on TV during the broadcast. They're going to be talking about those comments, and how do you how sure. do you do that? I mean. It, that's how this game is. As a coach and every single thing we do, you can only control what you can control. And for me, I can control trying to get these guys in the best position to go beat the Denver Broncos. Did you ever to, uh, like at no. the time he said he never nope. – did he reach out or you didn't accept the call? Or? Nope. All right, and with that, we welcome in Nick Cosmider, our Broncos reporter here at The Athletic. Nick, thanks for joining us. Everybody gets to see you briefly at the beginning of the show, but uh, but thanks for coming on, man. <laughs> Yeah, glad glad I wasn't doing something too weird. Um, but, uh, thanks for having me, guys. I have had uh, a couple lattes, so I can't be held responsible for what I say or who I excoriate um, while I'm here with you guys. So just a fair heads up. And were they iced or hot lattes? That's an important topic on this. Yeah, podcast. they were they were hot. O- only way to do it: come in hot, go out hot. All the all the yeah, time. see, I'm a nice guy. Are so. you okay? <laughs> nice today for you. For you, there we go. We're a nice um, podcast. Just in case everybody forgot or was, you know, had their head in the sand back this summer. Um, 
I mean, Peyton said a lot in that interview, but the, the thing I think that always grabbed the headlines was one of the worst coaching jobs in the history of the NFL. <laughs> um, Nick, you were there for Nathaniel Hackett. So I, I, I think we should start there covering that team. He didn't make it to the end of the season. It obviously was terrible and spiraled out of control and all that. Um, but, you know, what do you, when did it go wrong last year for Nathaniel Hackett? Like when you were covering that team, was there a moment when you were like, this guy's not ready to be a head coach in the NFL or he's, you know, it's, this is never going to get better. Well, there was a giant red flag or maroon flag, whatever, whatever shade you want to say um, in week one, right? They, they go up to Seattle in that season opener. Russell Wilson is returning to the place where he had played his first 10 seasons, the hostile environment. It's a game that obviously means a lot to him. And Nathaniel Hackett decides on a fourth and five from the Seattle 46 yard line with, with about two minutes to go in the game, the Broncos trailing by one to, uh, to trot out um, Brandon McManus for a 64 yard field goal instead of going for it on fourth and five. And it wasn't just the decision, but but just sort of his his kind of inability to really um, characterize why why he made that choice, what what the issue, you know, what what the considerations were um, that that really was alarming. And then uh, somebody had called me, um, you know, kind of close to the team uh, like the next day and, and asked me, you know, is, is Nathaniel going to survive this? And that was surprising. I mean, it just sort of gave you that early early like antenna up of like hey this this thing is this thing is already sort of off kilter and um just you know just uh just didn't really get better from there <laughs> I, was, I was actually i was like looking at just like going through some of the like the headlines from his tenure last year and like seeing like the progression of how quickly it got like like i saw there was a, a column i think in the i think in the denver paper or somebody was like russell wilson finally took the we the wheel of the clown car from from Nathaniel Hackett because there was like a week where Russell Wilson like took over in the fourth quarter or something, um, but yeah, I, I'm so there's I know I remember a lot like a lot was made of the like late game decisions he was making and they went and hired Jerry Rosberg and then he gave up play calling later in the year, um, like what what was when you th- beyond like the late game issues like what what do you what was the biggest issue you found with like the play calling last year because obviously he had a big role in that yeah you know i i think what happened and, and this this was not all on nathaniel hackett but when yeah. they got russell wilson it, it was sort of this immediate um you know acquiescence to him right to this guy that was supposed to come in and and, and save the franchise and in 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 some of the things that sean payton said in that interview that was the thing that sort of stuck out to me that was a big talking point in denver a year ago was you know, Russell Wilson comes in and there's all this talk about how this offense is a partnership. And, but, but Russell Wilson had made it clear that, that he wanted to, you know, sort of be this drop back passer and, and, and throw the ball from the pocket, you know, 35 times a game and, and all that kind of stuff. And it just didn't fit who he was at, at all. And there was just not enough, there were not enough like safety valves on a lot of the, the, the routes they had, they, they had a lot of long developing stuff that, um, you know, again, they didn't have the personnel to, to protect for, and, um, it, it just sort of got out of hand and it got to the point where the battering that Russell Wilson took, I mean, he, he was sacked 55 times in 15 games. Um, it started to clearly affect his, his confidence. Um, you know, he started 
you know, dancing in the pocket, getting happy feet, and then that condensed the playbook. And it just sort of fed on itself this issue where they didn't have enough to enough in the playbook that would would properly protect him. And 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 there wasn't enough control from Nathaniel Hackett to say, no, this this is what we're doing. This is madness. Like we're gonna we're gonna do something that's that just fits a lot better what your skill set is right now and the personnel that we have right now. Um, so it was just a clunky fit between what the Broncos actually had and what they were trying to call. The I mean, Broncos. Sounds, yeah, I'm sorry. I was gonna say that sounds familiar in some ways. To the kind of the, how the Jets handed over everything to Rodgers, but obviously they, they had the relationship, so it was a little different. A little different, yeah. What are you gonna uh, say, Tim? I was gonna say that you know Wilson, his numbers are better this year. Obviously, the team is is struggling. <clears throat> they they finally got a win last week, but a couple three hundred yard games. Uh, I think three of the four games, his rating's been over a hundred. Um, does he seem different now? Like, does he seem like the old Russell Wilson that we remember back in Seattle? Or are you still seeing the same kind of ugly stuff at times that that we saw from him last year? Yeah, I think I think it's largely been improved um, quite a lot with with Russell Wilson. Um, speaking just specifically to that element of where the Broncos are at right now. Um, again, just it's more coherent in terms of his skill set and what they have around him. Um, you know, it's funny the Broncos are actually. Um, allowing pressure at a higher rate this year than they did a year ago. Um, but the sack rate is way down. And that's because some of this is almost designed pressure allowed, so to speak, and that they are, there's a lot more screen action. There's a lot more, um, you know, quick, quick passing game than there was a year ago. And so there, there's a lot more outlets to the inevitable pressure that they're going to um, allow. And, and Russell Wilson, I think has fit really well with, within that, within that scheme. Um, it, it has not been perfect. Uh, you know, first three weeks, especially there were some real struggles in the red zone. Um, but by and large, he looks a, a lot like he did not, not necessarily in his, you know, 2016, 2017 era where he was one of the very best quarterbacks in the NFL, but, but certainly, you know, 2019, 2020, Russell Wilson, where you still knew you were getting a quarterback who was going to put up big numbers, who was going to keep you in games. Um, you know, I thought last week the Broncos are down 28 to seven um, and, and he played his his best football since he got here uh, in Denver. Just, you know, really confident, um, you know, big plays with his arm, um, you know, c- command of, of the line of scrimmage um, just just looked really solid. And I think they're only going to kind of continue to get better as he gets more familiar with what Sean Payton's doing. And I'm cu- I'm curious what you think about this. Like in the transit, like Hackett obviously has his coaching style, which is well known. He, like it's all about being loose, and he has that quirky personality, which I feel like if it works, then everybody's kind of loving it. And if it's not, which is probably what happened in Denver last year, like then he's not really connecting with those guys. Like how 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 do you feel like it's gone in terms of the transition from that personality, kind of like the the hard more hard nosed approach that it seemed like Sean carries? Yeah, I, I think for Russell Wilson, it's it's worked well. Um, you know, I, I think it helps that he's you know he's had sort of this long professed admiration for for Sean Payton as a coach and as a play caller. Um, it, it's been no secret that he has wanted to play for Sean Payton for a long time, and, and so I think that that sort of that sort of helped that gave them a little bit of a foundation. <clears throat> Um, there was some some mutual respect there. Um, I think for for some of the rest of the team, it definitely has been an adjustment, right? And Sean Payton comes in with with all this experience, 152 regular season wins um, in his 15 seasons coaching the Saints, um, you know, Super Bowl and all that kind of stuff. But but it was it's been a pretty stark departure from what the Broncos dealt with, um, not just under Nathaniel Hackett, but even Vic Fangio, who is you know he's known as an old school coach, but but I think um, you know not to the degree. Uh, in terms of just, you know, kind of the fire and brimstone that you get from, from Sean Payton. So 
that has been an adjustment. He drove them really hard after that 70 to 20 loss um, to the Dolphins um, in a way we really haven't seen. Um, So it's been an adjustment for this team. But it's it's been interesting. Some of the things that Sean Payton, you know, complained about the 2022 Broncos in that in that uh, article with USA Today have, have continued to pop up with with this team, right? Like the pre-snap stuff is an issue. Um, they had five false start penalties, you know. So yeah, I, I was right. They're down 28 to seven. I'm writing this column, uh, getting ready to write this column after the game that you know, hey, things aren't going well for Nathaniel Hackett. He lost his BFF in, uh, on the fourth play of the game. He, you know, he now has Zach Wilson, who until Sunday had not looked like a viable yeah. NFL quarterback. You know, things aren't great, but at least he's going to arrive in Denver with this comforting thought in his head of, hey, Sean Payton, I might have had one of the worst coaching jobs in NFL history, but what do you hear doing, Horson? What do you call 0-4 with a 50-point loss on your record? <laughs> and, you know, and, and all these other issues. And, you know, of course, they, they come back, they, they get in the win column. And that's the NFL guys, right? Like that, that's how yeah. sort of the narrative changes. But I would not say that, that all, is, all is fixed in Denver. By yeah, now. yeah, yeah. Well, so, so jumping off that, so like obviously the numbers are bloated by that disaster against the Dolphins. But like, so I feel like the, from the Jets side, especially the fan base, but like they feel like this is, this should be a week for the offense to like take the next step and keep playing like they did against the Chiefs. Like what? What would you say has been the biggest issue on defense? Because last year, that I mean, obviously, you know, like going into the year and even during the year, it was like their defense is amazing, but their their offense cannot like keep up with it, which is kind of the Jets storyline the last two years. But like what's been the biggest issue on defense? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, it's It's been a number of things. I, I think it's the, they've had some some tough injuries early on, like. Justin Simmons not not being yeah. available for that Dolphins loss, and, and then again not um, uh, again in, in Chicago uh, didn't play either. And he what he got hurt right at the end of the first half in Week Two against the Commanders and wasn't quite himself in that second half. So um, you know that that's been a big one. He, he's such a central part of what they do defensively. Um, but I also just think that they're 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 doing a really poor job fitting the run. Um, you know, they gave up 350 rushing yards to the Dolphins, but then turned around and gave up 171 to a Bears team that hadn't showed much life on yeah. the ground to that point. Um, and and so that there's been there's been issues there. Um, they've had injuries in other parts of of the defense as well. Um, you know, Zach Allen is a guy they went out and spent a lot of money on in free agency. Had played with Vance Joseph in Arizona for four years. Um, haven't quite gotten that impact from him as a guy that disrupts in the backfield, gets a lot of tackles for loss. Um, so, I, you know, again, it, it's been it's been injuries. It's been guys shuffling in and out. But um, I, I think more than that, they just have not been on the same page with with what they're trying to do. Um, you know, interestingly, I, you know, I would I would think that that's a fair thought for Jets fans to have. I mean, the, the Bears got right. Looks like they they yeah. use that confidence from the from the Broncos game. And we saw what they did last night against the commanders. Um, but, but it will be interesting. Like they, they know this offense that Nathaniel Hackett runs. I think Josie Jewell said uh, the linebacker said, I, I can't really tell the difference from, from what they did in Denver a year ago. And also ironic in that Sean Payton had called that film hard to watch back at owner's meetings. And <laughs> he had to sit back through it this week to, uh, you know, to, to, his, great point. during his yeah. role in whatever those defensive meetings were. So um, yeah, but we'll see. But if the defense they sort of found themselves a little bit in the second half against the Bears, but they are, they have by no means figured everything out. And so this is another big one for them to, to have an opportunity against an offense that, you know, largely has struggled this year to, to see if they can fix some of their issues. So uh, here, I, I think for all the optimism, the Jets seem like they're, it's a very happy locker room considering they're one and three right now. And, but I, 
I feel like, and I think most people agree around here that this is like a very fork in the road game for them. Cause if they lose this, it could like go off the, like you lose to a team like the Broncos are supposed, supposedly one of the worst in the league. It could go terrible. Like, is it kind of the same in Denver? Cause they barely beat the bears. Obviously got killed by the dolphins. Like, is it kind of a feeling of, man, we really need this one. 100%. And, and yeah. part of the reason is because of what they've, where they've been to this point in the season, they dropped yeah. two very winnable home games to start the year, lost to the Raiders by one, lost to the commanders by two. Um, so, so they, they put themselves way behind the eight ball because of those losses. Like, you know, going to Miami in September was always going to be hard. You don't think you're going to lose by 50, but, but actually just losing the game, you know, it, it wasn't the end of the world. And then, um, you know, you go and you beat Chicago, although much tougher than it probably should have been. But what makes this more pivotal this week is that after uh, after Sunday's game, they face the Chiefs twice in 16 or 17 days. Um, so that that's that's tough. They have they have the Packers sandwiched in between a home game with the Packers sandwiched in between. But then after they the, the second game against the Chiefs, they have a bye, and then they go to play Buffalo on a Monday night. So this schedule after Sunday is absolutely brutal. And if they have any hope of digging out of their own three hole, like getting a win against the Jets is is a have to. Like there's there's no path. You know, the, their their playoff odds are already meager, uh, but there is no path uh, if they lose this game on Sunday. I was gonna I was gonna say it's kind of funny to think about where we were. In July, when the champagne and stuff happened, where everybody's talking like, "Ooh, maybe this will be a game they flex because Aaron <laughs> Rodgers and the storyline, and these two teams should be better this year and all this stuff." And now we're here, where we're like, "The season might be over if they lose this game." Well, I'm curious too about like we we know you know I didn't really expect much different to hear from Nathaniel Hackett uh, there on Thursday yeah. morning, but what what has been sort of the, um, the the locker room reaction about that? Like, are they is it the offensive players on that on that team looking forward to? to trying to help him, you know, kind of put up a big number as he goes back? I would say most of them, it seems, were instructed to not say anything because they've been very, like, deflective about it. Um, Connor McGovern, their center, said to a couple reporters, I wasn't there, but he, he said that they, like, he said they did him dirty about Hackett last year. Like, he, or I, I don't remember the full quote, but I, I think he he was kind of, like, honest about how he want to go and kill them for Nate. And I'm sure former guys are talking himself. about it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, the the deflection is more be like we want to have a good game because we need to have a good game, less about like the paint and stuff. And even the, back when it happened, like the only people that were vocal about it were obviously Aaron Rodgers. I mean, all guys that were with him in Green Bay. Randall Cobb had a comment about him. Billy Turner posted on Instagram about him. Um, and Hackett himself, like even was like what that was like the most open he's been because he yeah. came right out in his press conference and said all that stuff. But yeah, I'd say to the Jets' credit, because historically they're not good about like you know, not, you know, giving the other team bulletin board material. They've been good about like not saying anything this week. Speaking of that, Nick, um, when a week ago, you know, the media in Kansas city asked Willie Gay about Zach Wilson and he kind of had the, the pause and the laugh. And it was really when things were bleak for Zach. But then after the game, all the chiefs came out of the woodwork yeah. to praise how great he was. And he's on his way to, you would have thought he was on his way to becoming a hall of fame quarterback by listening <laughs> to the chiefs after the game. I'm curious, you know, was there a lot of questioning of the Broncos players about what they think of Zach Wilson this week and how did they handle it? Yeah, there there was, and it was sort of the same thing, like effusive in their praise um, for for Zach Wilson. I think you know uh, Vance Joseph yesterday was talking about like he was the number two pick for a reason. He has you know he has all the arm talent in the world, and 
yeah, they, they certainly, they certainly gloss over any of the part where he, um, again, <laughs> didn't look like, you know, it just didn't look like a viable quarterback through the first no. uh, three weeks of the season. Um, but yeah, some of that same, same kind of thing, right? Like not giving them any other reason to, um, you know, to want to come in here and, and show anything. But um, again, I, part of it though, is this defense again, doesn't have any room to stand on to, to, to really, you know, turn their nose up at anybody at this point in the season, given just how bad they have been. Um, you know, I, I think it's a, it's a good matchup for them, especially given the familiarity with Nathaniel Hackett, but um you know, you, you don't take anything for granted with this defense until they start putting something together consistently. I will say before we let you go, there's a, one of the Jets reporters kind of pointed this out and asking Salah a question. I think it's crazy. The Jets have play, are going to be playing in Denver, I think, three straight years, and it's going to be yeah. against a different head coach each time, which is like wild. First of all, the fact that they've played the Broncos this many years in a row is crazy, but like the turnover is just like, <laughs> it's just like a good perspective of like, these two teams. Yeah. And it's, it, you know, it's, it's obviously they, they have that, um, you know, that, that last place in the division thing kind of keeps, keeps right. Pitting them yeah. against one another. You know, obviously the jets have the longest active postseason drought in the yeah. NFL and the Broncos are just right there behind them. Um, <laughs> so these, these have been two teams that have been in that kind of downward trajectory uh, for a while and, and both hopeful going into the season that it was going to turn around, but obviously the one who loses, um, this game for sure is headed straight toward another uh, another season on that on that streak. Yeah, it's a big game, big game for both. All right, Nick, thanks so much for coming on, man. We appreciate it. Um, enjoy the game. Yeah, good being with yeah, you. Thanks, Nick. Take care. All right, all right. And it's it's funny you said about Denver and their long drought from the playoffs as well. I was talking to him before you jumped on Zach before the podcast and. I covered the Broncos kind of from a distance early in my career. I was out in Rapid City, South Dakota, and they were like the closest NFL team. It was like a six-hour drive. <laughs> so we would go for like a few days of training camp, and we would, I would show highlights and that stuff. It was, you know, local sports. Um, and at that time, like Elway had just kind of finished up, right? So they were moving on to Greasy, but they were building the brand-new stadium, um, they had just won multiple Super Bowls. They were kind of the gold standard in the NFL. The The ownership group was considered, Pat Bowen was considered like one of the best ownership groups because of how much they cared about the team. And it was all this like, this is how you do it. This is how to be a great NFL franchise. And it's wild now, you know, many years later that they're on the other end of the spectrum. Although I, mean, yeah, I think I with the new ownership I mean, I, I mean, group, I, they'll probably end up being back. I mean, yeah, I remember growing up, Broncos were always a team you took seriously every year, for sure. Even after LA with Grise and Peyton Manning, briefly, like they were always a, a team that had it seemed like always had like a bunch of talent. And and I can't even remember the last time I remember even thinking, but like I I thought going into last year they were going to be good, to be honest. Uh, but I can't remember. Like they just see like they just feel like they've been out of sight, out of mind for a while now. <laughs> Whereas like. The Jets' misery has been, like, very public, and everybody knows about it. I feel like the Broncos have kind of, like, they were kind of behind the scenes bad until last year's disaster. Yeah, it's, like, because the history is so bright that you you still think of them that way, right? Like, it's like if the Patriots, now that Brady's gone, are terrible for the next 10 years, yeah. which is very possible. Um, yeah. You'll still think of them as the Patriots, I think, for a while because of... You know, well, I think that's why every year everybody's like, they'll turn it around. I feel like that's finally started to shift where I don't think people think they're going to turn it around this year. Yeah. Um, like Belichick has kind of like not worn out his welcome, but 
I feel like there's as much negativity go- going at Bill as there's ever been, which is, yeah, and ever, you eventually get there if you lose long enough. Yeah, everybody. I mean, he will always be considered, you know, the best all, ever, the yeah. best ever, all that stuff. But it's also like you're the best ever, but it's time for something new. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like maybe I feel like he's brought a little too many of his Patriots buddies back to his staff, which has <laughs> helped it helped it go downhill. But this isn't a Patriots pod, so with threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice. Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah. All right, should we do some picks? Check in on the yeah. picks. We yeah, have a guest coming on this week to talk about the picks a little bit. Welcome in. German Chatwall. I got that right, right? After I butchered one of our actual co-workers' names. Uh, German, <laughs> thanks so much for coming on, man. We appreciate it. Yeah, yeah you're killing it. Thanks for having me. All right, hey. so I'm, gonna, I'm just going to share why we're having you on here, if I can uh, move a, a little bit around here. I forgot to put in my Thursday pick last night. I was very upset about oh, well, that. I think uh, I was going to pick the Bears, too. I Yeah, I didn't pick the Bears. So, But here we go. Top of the standings. And we, it's funny. Jeremy, we talked about it last week on the show. There was like five people tied for first. Yeah. And we said, once there's some separation, we want to start getting some people on the show, whether they had a great week or overall leaders. And you look at this, and it's kind of a combination of both for you. You've actually been the the leader two weeks, or tied for the lead two of the four weeks so far. And now you have a three-point lead overall at the top of the standings. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, when I got your email, and then I, that's when I went and checked at the, at the, uh, the results after. I didn't even realize <laughs> I had <laughs> Yeah, I feel like nobody, nobody expects themselves to do well with picks, so yeah, you don't exactly. even look at the standings for these kind of things. But I, so I do know we, well, we had, we had, uh, we had fans on last year, a bunch, uh, to like make picks each week. And we like to t- have them tell us their origin story as a Jets fan. So to give us your background, how'd you become a Jets fan and, and, and why have you suffered this long as one? <laughs> yeah. So I was a young, naive six-year-old kid, uh, back in, <laughs> back in 1998. Um, and so I guess I'm a contrarian of sorts. Uh, my dad got me into sports, uh, but he wasn't a football fan. He's basketball and baseball. And he's a Mets and Nets fan, and I became a Yankees and Knicks fan. And so, um, a lot of the kids at school were all Giants fans. So, uh, continuing the contrarian ways, I and picked the picked the green over the blue. Um, and then Curtis Martin, Keyshawn Johnson, Wayne Corbett, really, uh, those guys really uh, kept me in. And then misery <laughs> set in. <laughs> Yeah. Do you go? Do, have you gone to? Have you gone to games? Have you gone I, to games? I've, like I've been to, I think only one uh, in my life. I actually prefer watching on TV. I just feel. Like, I know a lot of people like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the one game I did go to was against the Colts. Sam Darnold was a QB, and we dropped like forty mm. points on him or something. We, it was a bad year, obviously, but for whatever good reason, game, yeah. the, <laughs> luck that day. Well, maybe you hey, should have kept going. Yeah. You should go back. Yeah. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right. Well, we, we're gonna let's talk a little bit about this week's games as I uh, jump over to that part of things here. Um, last night, obviously, as you see, my picks 
obviously already struggling as the Bears um, came through and not just covered, but easily beat the Redskins up on the road, which is surprising. But um, overall, when you look at this week's game, anything sticking out to you, German, that we should basically cheat off your sheet considering how well you're doing? Um, So my my favorite play would be the Chiefs, uh, minus three and a half. Um, I just... I just don't think the Vikings D has been that great so far. And then Mahomes, I don't think he's going to have back-to-back subpar games. I think they should easily be able to win by at least four. Uh, yeah, I, I don't I don't see a repeat performance of what he did against the Jets throwing up some uh, lollipops. <laughs> Should have been, what, four interceptions, and it was only like two, but – <laughs> yes, I really like the Chiefs offense, and a lot of them were really internally uh, upset, too, uh, from what I read that on how they performed, even though they won. So uh, I, I could see them going for the kill there. Yeah, how are you feeling about this Jets-Broncos game as a fan? So I, I always, I'm always a homer with that stuff, so I got to take the Jets <laughs> two and a half. Um I do think it'll be a close game. I know a lot of people, for whatever reason, are thinking that the Jets could blow them out. But um, I I do think it'll be a tight game. Hopefully we do pull it off. Um, I think it'll be close. Uh, As mentioned, the Broncos defense is getting healthier, it appears. So that is a concern. Um, So it shouldn't be as terrible as they've been. But the confidence that hopefully Zach can bring in and even Hackett can bring in for for them and all the receivers – probably putting in a little extra effort knowing that, hey, we might actually get the ball now. Um, I hope that helps. So I, I would take the Jets. Hopefully we can uh, pull out a win and unleash Brees Hall. I was actually yeah. surprised the Jets were two-and-a-half-point underdogs in this game just because Zach played last week well and the you know it's been, it's been rougher for, for the Broncos in a lot of ways. I thought, I thought it would be closer to even, um, especially because I feel like they – then they're playing into the Jets fan base who would, who would jump on it. So I, I took the Jets because um, I was pleasantly surprised by the spread. I got the, the Chiefs yeah. as well. Um, there, there's not like the big – like last week we had the, the Bills-Dolphins game, which stood out, I think, yeah. as like a real big, big game. Um, that's kind of lacking a little bit this week on the schedule. It's, it's kind of a down week in the NFL. I guess the big one is the, is the, uh, is the Niners and the Cowboys – um, yeah. as the the big game of the week. I have the Niners in that one staying undefeated uh, at home, minus three and a half. I guess we'll find out, Zach, if the, the struggles of the Cowboys a week ago was real or just because they were so banged up on the O-line. F- I did pick the Cowboys just because it seems like most of these weeks, anytime something feels like it's what will definitely happen, like a team has a has a bad week. So I'm just maybe the 49ers have their bad week this week is the only reason I have that one. A game that I'm weirdly intrigued by is the Texans Falcons because Texans have kind of looked sneaky good. Uh, and the Falcons have had their ups and downs, but I picked the Texans in that one. And I also like the, let's see, which one did I look? Oh, actually I picked the Rams to upset the Eagles. Actually. Um, Eagles have been sloppy. They don't have Fletcher Cox. I think this week, uh, the Rams have been better than I expect. I think Cooper cops coming back and the Eagles secondary has been kind of rough. So, um, I picked an upset there. There you go. Yeah, I did the same thing. Um, I and the same with the Texans too. I feel like the uh, I don't know why the Texans look 
decent, but they do, and they've won a couple of games. And, and I think Atlanta's coming back from <clears> playing in overseas, and uh, and I think Houston gets that one. So we're in sync on a lot of these this week. All right, it'll be uh, interesting. Of course, the picks always brought to you by BetMGM, our partner here at the Athletic. Um, German, you got a score for the Jets game? What do you think? Oof. Uh, let's go. Let's go. Twenty-one twenty. Nail biter. I like it. Ooh. Okay. Zach. Yeah. I'll, uh. Man, I. I feel like the Jets can win this one by a decent amount, but I don't have the confidence that they will. So I'll say Jets, twenty-four. Broncos, twenty-one. I was gonna say twenty-four seventeen. So we're all we're all uh, going with the Jets. So. That's probably I'll take good. any of those. Yeah, yeah. a win's probably, a win. It's probably not good, though, that we're all t- pick, picking. Uh, German, thanks for coming on, man. We appreciate yeah, thanks, it. Man. Um, good yeah, luck with the picks you. the rest of the way. We have said that whoever wins this thing, there will be a prize at the end. I couldn't tell you what that's going to be We haven't figured out what. We'll figure that out but, between now and then. Yeah, yeah. And don't expect <laughs> it to be lucrative in any way. But there will be, there will be something. Honestly, it was just fun coming on. So thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, thanks for coming on, man. Thank you. Thanks for coming on. All right, Zach, any uh, any final thoughts here? Does anything we missed on the show? I feel like we hit. um, I mean, I I just mentioned they've been hyping up Quincy Williams quite a bit this week, and he deserves it. He's played very well. Jeff Lilberg thinks he's the best linebacker in football. Robert Sala told a cool story about how he wanted to draft Quincy when um, he was in San Francisco. He was projected as a day three guy, and the Jaguars picked him in the third round. They cut him. Jets claimed him on waivers, kind of developed him in the way that they did. Great example of a guy that if you're just patient with, he has all the tools. Uh, and a lot of times teams aren't patient with these guys. So um, that's worth shouting out. Tony Adams should be back this week. Didn't mention that. I mean, I, I kind of alluded to it earlier. Uh, Salah said today that they've talked to AVT about staying at right tackle permanently, which is notable both for his future and because of what it means about when, if and when Dwayne Brown comes back, uh, like there's been questions about whether they would give him back a starting job. I feel like if AVT's staying at right tackle, that's less likely because I think Makai's at least earned a chance to stay in the stay in the in the lineup. Um, yeah, and then I'm ex- I'm excited for Denver because Denver's one of my favorite cities. I've been there a bunch. Uh, Samantha is coming with me, so we're gonna go on some fun hikes. Is that Maybe the first work? And- is that the first work trip together? Yeah, first one she's joining me with. I know Bree used to go with Connor. All Lyle. these milestones. Um, I know, right? Yeah, we're hitting all of them. Uh, great food city. I'm excited to hit some of the food spots. If any Jets fans, if any Can't Wait listeners are going to be out there, you should let us know. I like, I love running into Can't Wait listeners on the road. It happens quite a bit. It happened in the in Dallas. Um, happens at the airport a lot. I have an early-ass flight tomorrow, which I'm not thrilled about. But, yeah, so if any of you guys are going to Denver, let me know. Um, love running into you guys. But, yeah, I'm uh, hoping I'm – and I'm not supposed to hope for anything. I am hoping for a win because another like just long season. I just I don't really want to deal with that. Like, get the win, get through the Eagles game, get to the bye, and then the schedule eases up after that. Uh, and I'm I, I think they can win, and I hope they do. I think they do too. I think they do. I think we're gonna have like some hope here. Two and three. I mean, the difference between two and three and one and four is. It's huge. It I feel mean, one like and four a season's yeah. over, right? Like basically, it's yeah. season's over. And that's the that's the funny that's the funny part why I'm not I've tried not to go too extreme with the Zach Wilson stuff because if if he's bad against the Broncos, like all the praise that just happened, it's going to go the complete opposite way, and you're going to start hearing hearing all the radio people again. Like everybody needs to breathe on the week to week like freakouts, um, even if you know some of it. Like I got 
some like okay, it was over the top after last week, um, after the Patriots game. But Zach was very bad in that game. So and Zach was good in this game, but I think it's like a relative thing. Like he was good relative to the rest of his career so far. I wouldn't crown him yet. I wouldn't say, you know, he's for sure gonna lead them in the playoffs, anything like that. I just think we all need to take a breath, see how this Broncos game goes. And then if he's good again against the Broncos, then I think we can start feeling good about the rest of the season. And if he's bad, then we can start feeling like, uh oh. I think I actually had them two and three through five games. I but for so, different different, different reasons, uh, completely different because yeah. of the because of the schedule and not because of terrible quarterback play. But, yeah. But I think that that's actually how I had, and then eleven and six is how I had them finishing up. So like the there is less confident light. in that. Yeah. Less confident yeah. in the win total that we had. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I mean, I think nine and eight would be pretty yeah. great, and maybe get them in. I mean, ar- arguably, Robert Sala would deserve some love coaching wise. Yeah. Right. Us. Yeah. That and yeah. then. Everybody comes back in that case, and and hopefully with healthy. The thing is, like with this Aaron Rod, we wow. didn't touch on the fact that Aaron Rodgers. We we'll just keep going here, the at the end of the show, that Aaron Rodgers really seems to think he can play this season uh, if this team can make the playoffs. But that's kind of fascinating to me because, like, if this team suddenly goes ten and seven and makes the playoffs, and Aaron Rodgers says, "I'm ready to go," like. We'd assume if they're ten and seven, Zach Wilson has played pretty good football. Like, what do you, know, what do, you it's, do? It's a lot of hype. Like, it's, I, it's enough hype. Part of me can't wait. Part of me can't wait for that possibility, right? Like, can't wait. Yeah. yeah, what a mess that would be. Like, Aaron's like, I'm ready to go, and the team's like, Well, Zach's kind of taking us this far. Like, yeah, what do you? It's do? funny. Connor Connor tried asking Sala that, like, which obviously has like four different hypotheticals embedded in the question, <laughs> like. Um, Roger's saying he's coming back. Uh, but if he comes back, that means you're in playoff contention. If you're in playoff contention, that means Zach's playing well. And then what do you do? And so I was like, I'm <laughs> no chance of me answering. That's a that good question. problem to have. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah, so ultimately, that is a great problem to have. But you know, it would be that would be fascinating. So, and because it's a wild scenario, it's probably you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it happened almost just because the weirdest things are going to happen here at all times. Yeah, I, I just can't imagine Rodgers being ready to go at any point during the season. Yeah, no, but, I'm skeptical about that to say the least. But as he keeps telling everybody, you doubt him is when he's at his best. So if he if he comes back, you can say I I'm the reason if you guys want. That's fine. Sure. <laughs> all right it's been a good episode thanks everybody for joining us if you checked us out live on youtube thanks for watching or on the podcast definitely spread the word to your friends to check out the can't wait podcast we'll be back with everybody early next week with the full recap of the broncos game <laughs>